I'm sure you know if you've been here before, I'm, I'm a little bit of a student of media. Um, I, I watch probably too much television or, or engage in media too much. But oftentimes when I'm watching television or watching media, uh, I, I often tell you when you sing, have your brain on. When I'm watching media, I have my brain on. Trying to hear messages. What, are, what is it that the messages are trying to say to us? And I was watching um, television the other day, and uh, it was a ball game or news or something like that, and I saw this commercial, and I think this commercial speaks well to what we're talking about Hello. here today. I love it. This piece is so you. I know, right? I saw it, and I was just like, oh, I have to have it. Is it suede? It's suede. State Farm knows that for every one of those moments, there's one of these. Well, I love it. This piece is so you. I know, right? I saw it and I was like, have to have it. Is it suede? It's suede. I love suede. That's why we're there with renter's insurance when things go wrong. But so you see this commercial, and obviously this is this is a woman who um, she she wanted she wanted to decorate her house. She wanted the right peace for her living room, and she wanted something, you heard her say it, that was so her, so you. And they found this suede couch, and boy, suede, you know, you just sort of sink in, and I think there's a George Costanza line about suede or something like that, but just comfortable. But all of a sudden, you know, here's this thief who says, yeah, that's a great couch, I'm going to have it. And here's this woman who had held up her credit card, not only in the commercial, but also in the store to purchase it. If, it, if this was her, it's her identity, you know, it's an identity statement. If this was her, then her her has been stolen. It's gone out the door of her apartment at three o'clock in the morning, which you got to wonder, would people notice that if two guys were carrying a couch out of her apartment at three o'clock? But it's to get us into the mind of what scripture is teaching us this morning. God has given us this great text from Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. I encourage you to turn your Bibles there. But this text is actually a part of a, a larger teaching. Um, if you uh, are a student of scripture at all, you know that Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are part of a larger text called the Sermon on the Mount. And that Sermon on the Mount is Jesus Christ's great, te great teaching, excuse me, to his followers in Galilee. They're gathered on a hill. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people gathered so that they might hear. And he's giving them instruction. And that's how he's, he's doing this whole text. If you look back in chapter 5, if you look ahead to chapter 7, there's all these headings that will show you, here's what you should do. Jesus is teaching the Galileans, his followers, here's what you should do. When it's all said and done... When the whole thing of life is over, if you focus on these things, then you are focusing on the things that I want for you, that your father longs for you, the father, that the father will bless and use you to have the best life. Let's dig in and discover what some of those instructions are. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, like we saw. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So 
we hear that, you know, right from the beginning, Christ is in instruction mode. He's saying, do this and don't do this. Because by doing this, you're doing the best thing. Not doing that means you're staying away from the not best thing. Because he wants his followers and he wants us to hear his instruction on how to experience the best life. And he's calling his followers, us, to live a life worth living. And the kind that centers on the best thing in this world, and that is himself, Jesus. He's saying to his followers, if you're going to focus on the treasures of the earth, then, then those treasures are, are things that they do go away. Obviously, uh, no matter what happened to that couch, if it was stolen or not, 15 years from that moment, it would still be, you know, it would be old. It would probably have tears in it. It would be dirty. All that sort of stuff, no matter what it is. There, all these things in life are, are things that on this earth deteriorate. And maybe they don't deteriorate themselves, but their pleasure deteriorates over time. Even if it's something that we are thinking, okay, maybe it's not deteriorating, but we want it for ourselves. Think about what ourselves does. If we are pouring into ourselves, how many of you feel more energy, more invigorated, and better than you did 10 years ago? You did? Well, God be praised, because I don't. Got a little bit more of this, a little less of this. I got a, a bum knee. I got ankles that are sore. They're, we deteriorate, right? We, we rust, in essence. And if we are investing in ourselves, is our treasure is putting into ourselves even, we're investing in something that will go away. We know even the truth of Scripture that eventually this body is gone. When we go into the presence of Christ at the end of things, we are given a new one. Why? Because this one gets old. And if our investment is here, if our wealth is here, if our focus is here, it's a bad investment. And Christ is saying, here's the best. Don't, it doesn't get destroyed over here. This is, it's a great word, eternal Something, this treasure is something that you will experience for all eternity because it's not going to get fat or get bald or get broken down. It's not going to get stolen or rusted. It's not going to get worn out or dirty. This is a treasure that is for all time. And then we dig deeper with this wonderful little verse, verse 21. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. When I hear that verse, it cuts me deeply. Because when I, I think about even the, the things that have my heart, the things that can consume me, the things that can grab my energy and my resources, that can grab my time and grab my focus, I can certainly see in my life that there are certainly places where I have not put the treasure of Christ ahead of the treasures of this earth. I have put treasures into things that are deteriorating. And when I think about that, I realize that I've given my heart to something else. 
For us to hear that, we've given in doing that our heart to something else. It actually ties in right at the end of the text. We'll get there in a little bit. When what we focus on, those things that consume our time, our talents, our resources, and our energy speak to our engagement and intimacy with Christ or lack thereof. If you are consumed with God's kingdom, your life shows it. If you're not, you show that too. And it doesn't take long. In in an hour and a half when I'm done and you guys leave, um, just kidding. When, when, When we're done with the service and you're out in the fellowship hall or the lobby or out in the parking lot talking, you are going to be having conversation, Lord willing, with people. You're going to talk to somebody out at the Welcome Center if you're a guest here today. Please take that card in your pew. Take it out there. Go talk to somebody. Or maybe you're hungry or you're thirsty. You go down to the fellowship hall, get coffee and a cookie. You're going to talk to people. Talk with your brains on. Now, I know for some of you that's work, but talk with your brains on and listen, because four or five minutes, if you have a conversation, you can probably determine whether or not that person is consumed with Jesus. You can probably hear. Now, you think about some of those conversations that you regularly have with people. You can hear it. You can hear either if Jesus is what consumes them or if Christ is not what consumes them. Because oftentimes, what do people talk about? A lot of, a lot of parents will talk about what? Their kids, right? Your kids consume you. Those little bodies consume every little bit of energy and for many of you money and for many of you time and for many of you everything. They consume you. They become your focus. They become your, what's the word from the text? Treasure. And then you and I be consuming, being consumed by this thing. It's a good thing, of course, right? Our children are gifts of God. They're good things. But if that is what consumes us, it has become, hear me here, an idol. If we are loving our kids with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength... That means that there's another great commandment that we haven't heard, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We have allowed our children to become an idol. Or maybe it's your spouse. Or maybe it's your work. Now these are all good things, right? Nobody's going to sit here and say, boy, that's a bad person. Why? Because they love their kids. (laughs) No one's going to say that. No one's going to say, that's a bad person because they love their spouse. But for us to understand how we get there, we'll get there in a moment too. And for us to listen, not only to others, but to ourselves. Because when we speak about our passions and those things that consume us, those words, that passion betrays either our depth of intimacy with Christ or our lack thereof. Let me give you a couple examples. I can tell you, uh, uh, there's a person that I work with regularly who in five minutes, I've known him for a long time. If I talk to him for five minutes, I am going to hear somewhere, somehow, an echo of his passion and his love for Jesus Christ. His name is Nick Intout. He's one of the associate pastors here at the church. You have a conversation with Nick for five minutes and you are going to hear about that passion for Jesus. You have a a conversation with Tim and Courtney Banks. 
For five minutes, you are going to hear them passionate about sharing the love of Jesus with a part of the world that needs it so desperately. You have a conversation with others, and there's plenty in this community. You have a conversation with Jean Wagner, who saw her husband go into, or the body of her husband go into a grave on Friday, uh, Friday morning. You, you talk to her for five minutes, you're going to hear her passion for God's faithfulness in her life. The challenge is, though, that we also know the others that we could talk to, and we're going to hear about something else. Right? Maybe we'll hear about experiences, or, or you know, there's, there's a couple that have come up in the last number of years. Foodies, right? What are they consumed by? Food experiences, restaurants, what you've eaten, what you've prepared. And there are certainly people who have idolized then food. Another one that's come up in the last number of, of years is the wine culture, right? Wine becomes a lifestyle, and it becomes something that people become passionate about and invest in and spend time with significant amount of times. And football can be that, and golf can be that, and a craft can be that, and media can be that. All these things become idols that take away a passion that we have for Jesus because they consume us we're, because we're investing in them. We are making them our wealth instead of our relationship with Christ. Now, for you to ask that question, for you, and again, it cuts to the quick. Because I think, about, I think about my life and there are certainly places and moments and times where I think, boy, that was a place where you were, you were distracted. But it gets even, gets even worse than that or more challenging than that. Let me say that as we continue to read verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, Jesus is teaching that, that if you and I are wanting to be fueled towards the treasures in heaven, there's, there's a road we can take. There's a, there's, a, there's a way that we can move towards that. And it has to do with our eyes here, but I, I think it's even more than that. I think what God is saying to us, to his followers in Galilee and to us this morning is God has given us this great gift to interact with our world. We do that often through our eyes. We also do it with our, our other five cent, our other four senses. And in using that gift, that ability to interact with our world, how we interact with and what we interact with either fuels us towards a deeper intimacy with Christ or fuels us towards not light, right? I mean, we hear, this is light. The way of Christ is light. We're hearing, hearing that in verse 22. But this way is not light. And what is not light? It's darkness. So when I'm being consumed by anything that is not Christ, that is not moving me more deeply into relationship with him, what am I being consumed by? Darkness. The idolatry of children is darkness. The idolatry of a spouse or relationship or a family is darkness. 
The idolatry of work or experience or food or wine or whatever other thing that is idolatry and not Christ is darkness. And for us to hear that and be challenged by that, yes, we can say these are good things. Children are good things. Marriage is good things. Family are good things. Yes, yes, yes. But when that is what we worship, if that is what we are consumed by, if that's where our passion is, then it does not be, uh, remain good. It instead is darkness. Now for us to think about, okay, then how do we move towards that? Again, God gives us some instruction but how we use this gift to interact with our world around us either engages us more deeply with who God is and what he is making us to be, or it's moving us away from him and more deeply into dark things. Now that actually starts to get challenging when you think about your day, right? So how many of you have plans this afternoon that involved an easy chair, a couch, and a football game? Some of you, okay? Wow, very few. James, I saw that hand. I saw it over there. Cowboys, yeah. Uh, they're going down, but uh, we'll talk later. Watching football is watching football inherently a bad thing. Is it? If you're a Lions fan, you're right. It is a bad thing. You're a Lions fan, may God have mercy on your very soul. Um, for us, to watch a football game is not, not evil. It's not evil. It's how we watch a football game. It's how we engage with our children, or our family, or our spouse, or food, or wine, or whatever it is that we are engaged with, or experience. How we move into those things. What is, what is the fuel towards that? Is it internal? Is it, this is for me. This is mine. This is to bless me. Or is it otherwise? Is it outward? Is it, I can love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength by watching a football game. And I believe you can. I believe you can. I really do. I believe that you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength by having a good steak and potato meal with a glass of wine. I believe you can do that. I also believe that you can do the exact same thing and be sinning within it. That's the challenge because it becomes about the heart. That's why God is speaking. That's why Christ is speaking to the heart. The light, the eyes are a lamp to the heart. They light it up. And what it is, how we take things in, how we receive the world around us, how we interact with it, what is the, the things that fuel us towards what it is that we do? That's the key question. And we finish this passage by understanding even more deeply how it works. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. By the way, I don't like that translation. God and money. Last three words. The God part, yes, and yes, money, no. It's actually mammon. And mammon is a much deeper teaching because it's not just about 
finances. It's not just about don't ray me. It is about wealth. It is about investment. You cannot serve both God and those things that are your wealth. You cannot do that. Otherwise, you're serving two masters. Which again, is one of those things and one of those ideas that cuts me to the quick. Because oftentimes, what, we, what do we say? We need to live a life of balance, right? We need to not go too far one way or not go too far the other way. Because if we go too far one way or the other way, then we're consumed by that thing. And here in this text, God is saying, don't live a life of balance. Don't even worry about a life of balance. Be completely imbalanced, which some of you are very successful at, by the way. Be completely imbalanced in loving me fully and completely with everything that you have. I am your master. You are my servant. I have given my son for you. I have given my life for you. I have given my grace to you. I have given you hope. I have given you a purpose. I have given you eternity. I have given you all good things. And I ask you to love me with all that you have. But here's the best part about that. Is he says, love me with all that you have. What does the text say? Seek first, what? The kingdom. And then what? All the other stuff is yours. So for us to live an imbalanced life means we get everything. We get Christ in a relationship with him and all the good things that we can think of in our lives, our children, our families, our relationships, our spouse, our work, our, our lives, our gifts that God gives back to us and says here and now because it's balanced on your relationship with me and not some other thing, it's even better than what you imagined to begin with. Christ is calling us to a life of imbalance that is outside of ourselves. His calling to us is don't go here. Don't focus on the inward of yourself. Don't bless yourself. That's my job. Your job is to love me. So for you and I to think about, okay, how do we live into this? Well, let's get practical. How many hours do you have to live today? 24. Yeah, 24 hours. How many of those hours does God call you to love him for? Okay. How many of you have been successful the last 24 Loving the Lord your God with everything for the last 24 hours. So for us to think about, okay, I've had 24 hours, where did I pour inward towards myself? The, the loving this, my, this is my treasure. The one that is deteriorating, the one that is rusting, the one that is slowly, slowly going away. How much have I focused here? How much have I focused here? See, God didn't end there, because right, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. But then there's a second one, and what does the second one say? Love your neighbor as yourself. 
So when we think about our 24 hours that we have, you have 24 hours, you will go home today, you will have lunch, you will watch football, or you will take a nap, or you will do something else. At some point tonight, you will go to sleep. At some point tomorrow, you will go to work, school, or your couch. You will find something to do tomorrow. And for you and I to think about how are we living into that 24 hours? Are we living into here? Is this our treasure? Or when it's all been said and done, what am I giving to him? Am I giving him all of it? And as he leads me, am I giving it to them? Those whom God has called me to love, the world around me, the people in Ireland, the people in my neighborhood, people in my cul-de-sac, in my school, in my workplace, in my church, in my community, in my city, whatever. Am I giving myself to them or am I just keeping it all for me? What's our next 24 hours look like? Because when it's all said and done, the question is asked. Did we? Did we give? Now we received the gift of grace in Jesus Christ, not through our own. We didn't earn it. We didn't grab it. We didn't do anything to get it. That's his gift. He gives it to us. But how did we respond to that gift? When it's all said and done, what did we give? Did we give what mattered? Love to him and love to them. Or did we keep all our love for ourselves? Father, you are so very good in that you loved us first. You gave yourself to us, and through your grace, we know the gift of a future. A future that we can look forward to in hope that we will spend eternity in your presence. That's a gift of your grace for which we are so very grateful for. But Lord, fuel us towards living now in that grace, in gratitude, by loving you and loving others more. By giving of ourselves. Giving of ourselves to another so that we don't keep it to ourselves. Lord, break us of our selfishness. Break us of our, of our idolatry, of our own needs or wants or passions, our own dreams. Lord, that we might be consumed by yours. Because when we are consumed by yours, we not only are a part of your work, but you also give us all the rest. All the rest in even more fullness than we can imagine. When we love our kids because you first loved us and we want to, out of gratitude, be good stewards of these wonderful, incredible bodies that you have given to us in our homes, Lord, then that's when we're investing in eternal treasure. When you, we invest in, in our families, not because we love our families, but because we love you. We love you so much. Because you loved us first and you've given us all good things. When we then love our families out of that love, Lord, that treasure is so much more valuable and it is eternal. Father, give us the vision to see how we can do that in all facets of life. In our workplace, in our jobs, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. Wherever it is that you've called us to be, Lord, may we invest May we make our dreams, our passions about eternity.
eternal things, your things, the best things. In Christ we pray, amen.